we just got home and uh, you know I bought like all new patio stuff because <gasps> the squirrels had eaten through it and we Ooh. went out back and they ate through it again but not only did they eat through the new stuff there are brand new baby squirrels living in my furniture and they're ba- they're this big they're like pink still <laughs> they're babies wait wait what do I do <laughs> wait Quinn <laughs> oh no and you know Matt's not gonna hurt them I live in an animal hospital you oh, live my in God, an infirmary. Them. He named them, I think. Quinn, if you were not with Matt, what would you do with these squirrels? And listen, we're on a true crime podcast. If what you're about to say involves a crime, I think like that's what double jeopardy is, don't you? I would rape them. (laughs) (laughs) Did this just turn into our Patreon episode? I'm trying to think if this is our Patreon episode or if this is a real episode. And I think by you saying that, congratulations, we're doing our Patreon first. Or do you want to go full throttle? I think let's go full throttle first. <laughs> wait, that Here's is the... insane. Okay, wait. So are they cute or do they look freaky? That's question one. They're cute, actually. Like, they look like rats. So, like, they've got, like, ugly kind of hands and feet. But, like, their little faces are really cute. And they make sounds like baby birds chirping. Like, they're very cute. Um, but you're like, but... I just got this new furniture. And you're like, listen, I, mean, I, I, I... I don't know what to do. We, like, Quinn, built them. Hard. We heard... You're not supposed to touch them, I guess. Because if, if you do, your gets on them, then they're going to be so nicked Matt out. Put, like, these... Matt look, put these, like, full-blown gloves and, like, covered his whole body. And he built them a house. And he like moved all this stuffing into it and then he put them in the house and now they're in the house, but they're still out there on the porch because we didn't want it to be like confusing for the mom who, by the way, like left, came back, seems to still like them, which is great. But we are kind of like trying to we're like, how do we slowly this is a second floor balcony. So it's not like we can even move it like two feet away, two feet away. It's like we're trying to figure out how can we like slowly be like, this is not your house. You can't live in our furniture. (laughs) All I'm thinking of is like when this is happening, I'm just hearing the song that's going viral, which is like a single mom who works two jobs, who loves her kids and never stops. But it's about a squirrel. But it's about a squirrel. But it's Reba as a squirrel. A single squirrel. (laughs) A single squirrel who has two nuts, who loves her pups and never stops with um, Matt McCroskey in gloves and a hider. They're a squatter in your porch. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that came up. That's insane. I'd Quinn. buy that single. I, you'd buy it? <sighs> no, I mean, it's the story of my life. So it's like singing the blues, baby. I relate. Like, it's what I'm dealing with right now. And it is horrible. It's so, wait, wait, so what intense. Was the, was, it, the, was the patio furniture similar to what you had before? And was it really nice? I bet you like pay, pay, got a nice one. No, no, I didn't get nicer stuff. I just bought like, I didn't even get more bases. They've torn apart the base, but I got new pillows and new pillow covers because they had chewed through them and right. now they chewed through them again. And I'm just like, I oh. can't keep, it's not like, it's like a hundred dollars to replace the pillows and the things. <laughs> but I'm also like, I can't d- just do that on repeat. No, you like, can't. What am I supposed to do? So now I'm like, am I supposed to get, maybe I should get all 
iron furniture and then like whatever cushions are out there, put them in like a locked box and only take them and put them on the furniture when I'm sitting on it. Well, what but it- to tell you the truth, I am so lazy that my concern yeah. with that. I know you're is, concerned. You're like, I'm never going to go out there. because the I guess I just won't go out there because I'll yeah. be like, sounds like I have to put together the whole scene, you know? Yeah. I like to come upon a scene. I don't like to, it's not, you, like you know, it's the same reason. You like to stumble your back porch and go, oh, this actually looks lovely. This, You know what? What a surprise I've made for myself, which is fun. I like, I want it to feel like a hotel, you know? Like where you just like, you know, when my favorite thing about hotels is when you stumble upon like a lovely reading nook or area and you're like, this is so just for sitting and enjoying oneself. That's what I want it to feel like. And I want it to be ready to be enjoyed. I don't want it to be I think you did such a good job. You did such a good job preparing that, that unfortunately the squirrel mom said, hmm, what a lovely little nook to, to be alone by myself. And she was pregnant and. She just got very comfortable there, and she probably had like a little spicy kernel from some food that you had eaten in that space, and she went into premature labor. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been on the second floor. Damn it. I just... All right. I have this well, whole so narrative. We're with that. That sounds like a lot. How but, you is, know, how is your just... jet lag? You just got back. Bad. Like, we put the kids to bed at 11.45 last night, and we are just coming from Denver. It's only a two-hour difference, but, like, we landed at 8. They wanted to go see the new fountain that they love that's Wait, at LaGuardia, it? so we had to, like, go take a look at the fountain. It's this really is, a good with, fountain. With, it is, is it the new one that's in the middle with, like, all of the, like, it has, like, a fun... Um, yeah. images on it and the it water comes like new york new york yeah it's yeah fabulous. it's insane so, and you're with a stop and smell the roses kind of guy so like matt mccroskey's like we're going and we're going to enjoy it and let's get like a little treat and sit and watch exactly mm-hmm. and the treat by the way was uh dollar 80 um hash browns from the duncan right there <laughs> so they had what hash browns f- and watched the fountain frankly then we sounds like a dream to go home and we've had some funny cab stuff happen, man. Going to the airport when we get in the cab and we're driving there and Koa is like going to Denver to see my grandparents. They have a lot of money. Um, my parents do not. My mom actually just lost her job. <gasps> oh, no. And my dad, he doesn't really ever work. Like. <laughs> Wait, my face is just like telling our business to the cab driver. Like my face was so hot, so red. And the cab driver's like, okay. Wait, (laughs) is Koa okay? But you said you were saying recently that Koa has been like talking about money more. He's become like very aware of it. He's not nervous. To be clear, he's not nervous about money. But I've had to tell him a little bit about money mostly because... We lost our job. Not wanting, no, not wanting him to be spoiled is really why we talk yeah. about it. So, oh, and like the reason to him, like it's like you have a lot of money because you like built a house. He knows that that costs a lot of money because he made plans to build. I a remember house. the house. And plans. I don't know if you remember this, but I was like, you can't. He thought he have... was going to go build it that week, yeah. and I had to like break down that that was not actually possible with the four dollars he has from the tooth fairy. So <laughs> he's like starting to understand money. Where he'll be like, "What does that cost?" And I'll be like, "This," and he'll be like, "Can we?" We buy it and I won't say no we don't have enough money but I will say no we would rather use our money for blank so he understands money involves choices which I think is all of this I think is healthy I don't think I've like gotten him in a corner where he thinks we have no money yeah but he did tell the cab driver we don't have which, any money which helped, and that which helped. did make me which helped embarrassed though. I I can imagine why that would make you embarrassed I would rather tell someone I don't have money than tell someone I do have money though these days 
Okay, sure. Right? I mean, I would rather not have that conversation with my cab driver on any level. <laughs> you know, Quinn, if you want to know what I'm not to today, I've walked <gasps> like over seven miles today. I do. I walked up a... <gasps> How's Isle of Sky? Isle of Sky. I walked up a like 1600 elevation. I walked up a, like a bunch of thousands of feet. I'm really tired. I'm really tired right now. But I walked up what, to this. What were you seeing? Why were you walking such a steep? Well, it was at the top of it was a little mountain area. So we like took in a lot of vistas. It was like beautiful greenery sea. And we were listening to the Outlander soundtrack the whole day. I have not seen anyone that looks like Jamie, Jamie, which is upsetting, frankly, which is a little bit annoying. But here we are. Very. But very frustrating. Not as advertised. <laughs> no, I have like this gorgeous huge bed. No Jamie in sight. It's a real bummer. And then we went to a place called Fairy Glen. It's a place that looks like Ooh, that fairies reside there. It was so beautiful. We did that. And then tomorrow we're going to fairy pools. And so like I'm getting ethereal fairy vibes, Ooh. which is really fun in Scotland. But we went to this place and all I wanted was fish and chips after this hike. And we get there and they're like, mm -hmm. we're all out of fish and chips. Because everybody wanted that after their hike. I'm sorry, like, miss. Well, of course. Of course they did. Of course they did. They're not dummies. That everybody tracks. wanted a fried fish sandwich, and I get it. So then tonight we just had some salad and some chicken, and, you know, I felt very healthy. And it's currently 1045 right now, which, like, I'm living. I've walked more than I've ever walked. And that's saying a lot, being that I was in a place, I was in a city where I had to walk a lot of places at a lot of times. So here we are. Here we are. I'm in Isle of Skye. I don't know what time it is. I don't know where I am, but I do know behind me there's some beautiful floral prints with a green background. And this is the room that I am in. Are you staying at like an Airbnb? Yes, then? it's an adorable yeah. Airbnb. It is so cute. It is so nice. It is so modern. It's like a lot of Ikea, but like in a very tasteful modular way. Like I really like it. I also just feel love. like I'm, I love how they do things here. Like all the fuses on the wall, they have little like on and off switches. I like Great. that. Their recycling is like pretty intense, but I like that. Like I like that there are rules you, that everybody follows. Because you actually follows. feel like they, they might be recycling yeah, it. Yeah, there's cows yeah. everywhere. Like I woke up yesterday morning and I or yeah yesterday morning and I opened my windows and there's cows walking, and I just mm -hmm. saw like one cow tried to mount another cow right in front of my window, and I was like, whoa, this is getting <laughs> PG thirteen. But I think they were two women, so honestly, mazel to them, congratulations. There's been sheep's everywhere. There's just been mud pies everywhere. Like I am in. I am in country land and it's delightful. It's absolutely stunning. It's stunning. It's gorgeous here. I'm very happy. It feels happy. good to get out of the city? It feels good to be out of the city, even if it's just an hour. If you're like, what had American summer, that's for you. No, I think we had like truly just an insane, insane month. I'm sorry. We just had an insane month. And so the last week we had a little sickness. And so we were like really pushing towards the end of our run and we made it. And the fact that we did, I mean, it's like every time I forgot how I felt this way back in 2018 when I did my other show here in Edinburgh, but it's like you leave and you go, how the fuck did I do this? Like, how the fuck did I do a show every night? That is insane. That is just like mm -hmm. your body is, mm -hmm. my body is confused. I'm still not caught up on sleep. And like I was being so good and taking care of myself. I wasn't drinking really much at all for the last two weeks. And I still like came down with a cold and it just was, it was, it was a very intense last week. And I'm still, again, like I'm not, 
at 100%, but I'm getting there. And then, of course, I walked seven and a half miles today. And I'm like, what What am I doing? Who am I? And welcome back. I don't know where I'm going. To life. And I don't have a return yeah. flight home still. So I'm like, we're thinking of going to Portugal for like a week. And I'm just like a little bit in between. But you know what? It's actually a really good problem to have because I can work from wherever. I can podcast with Quinn while I'm in Isle of Sky. Although that's for sure Irish. And please don't come for me. I Listen, think, I, also, I think that it's a good problem to have. Like in the contest of problems, I'll take Portugal over baby squirrels in my fucking porch furniture any day. <laughs> Quinn, no matter what we go through, we have like very different problems every time. It feels like opposite day always with us, which is like mm-hmm. kind of beautiful and amazing and also can be challenging for, for us who are going through those things. Like I'm so sorry you have these dead baby squirrels. They're alive. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You have these. This is how this is how tired I'm. How dare I'm so you? sorry you have these alive, not raped baby squirrels. I'm so <laughs> glad that they're not victims of rape coming from which, by the way, this is a horrible segue and I want to acknowledge it. You're listening to truly darkly creepy creepy. I'm Quinlan Prosner and I'm Carrie Epima reporting to you live from Sky. With not that great of an internet. So I see her mouth move and then I hear the words after. It's jarring, but I'm going to stick with it. (laughs) Wait, I have to say too, I've been seeing videos of your kids and holy shit, I've missed them so much. I really miss those little guys. And also it feels like they're getting big and like Griffin is becoming like a little dude. Which feels He's a total dude. Which He's feels a dude man. so cool and exciting. And like even like him getting opinions of things, like it's very fun. It's that's really fun to watch. Yes. Oh, it's adorable. By the way, this little kid I babysit whose mom listens to our podcast and she had said, mm-hmm. Hey, I would like to give more to Patreon, but I'm really afraid of you singing my name. Not because because I really like the names, but I think I'll be too embarrassed for you singing my name. And I said, Okay, but I'd also be happy, you know, that's that's what it is. So her kids and her and her husband all came were happened to be in Edinburgh this weekend. And Amazing. I had so much fun with them. It was so amazing. I went on like a little kid ghost tour with them. And it's very fun to be in a ghost tour with a bunch of little kids and for them to be like, what's real and what's not? I'm scared. Is this okay? Do I like this feeling? How much am I going to push back? Which is like very fun to experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also what I loved is their their oldest son like loves like – like murdery kind of scary stuff like he likes a bad guy and so he's like Carrie can you make your podcast for kids <laughs> and I was like I don't know no. if I can and I don't think I should 100% no and he's like I just love a murder mystery I'm listening to a murder mystery podcast and I was like I think you need like a murder mystery that is appropriate for a nine-year-old me I cannot I cannot give that to you but when yeah, you're older I... there's a podcast waiting for you okay it's there it's there for the taking Binge it when you're older. That's what I always say. Binge everything. <laughs> That's when what you're I older. always say. Oh wait. Um, Speaking. Oh wait. We have to thank some people, and I can talk in another. I do want to thank some people, but I did want to say this. I wanted to say that we've had a lot of new Patreon subscribers. We see you. We honor you. We love you. We love you. We sh- we shall lay with you. We're obsessed with you. We're only going to thank for an episode. So if you don't hear your name, it doesn't mean you're we next. don't see you, love you, honor you. It just means you're in you're line. Next. You're in the you're queue, next. baby. You're in the queue. Um, I 
don't know if you call this person Sunny or Suni, but it's S-U-N-N-I. Sunny. And you think Sunny. Sunny Two ends. So- Two ends. Yes. I'm going to yeah. go. I'm, I think one end might be Suni. Two ends, but Sunny. And you know what? Sunny. So what's her last initial? What's, what's, wait, what's R. Sunny's last? Okay. Sunny R. You're our Patreon. <laughs> Sunny day. Chasing the normal stuff away. <laughs> and going into truly dark. Creepily. Can, Can you tell me how to get, how to get, get totally freaked out? <laughs> how to get creepily. <laughs> How to get truly darkly creepily. No, that's not. I, there's got to gotta be a way. Sunny R joined our Patreon. Coming to truly darkly creepily to hang out. Can you tell me how to get, how to get to creepily street? I don't know good. if that works. I don't know if that works. I but think that's it what works. It, it works. It works. How about, how about, how about Krista? Krista T, Krista T, drinking a cup of crystal meth with I thought, whiskey. But you thought I was gonna say tea, and then I totally tricked you, Krista. You're like, what? Crystal meth? That ain't me. Yeah, my name's not Beth. My name is Krista. It's Krista T. Krista T. Okay, next next name. Kaylee. Haley K, Haley K, you join our friends. We love to hang out K- with Haley. K- 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 okay, thank you so much. Kaylee K, Haley K. Kaylee K. Oh my God. Wait, what Whoa. is. Who's, uh, erase, erase. Erase, erase. Wait, <laughs> whose name is this? What is her name? What is their name? K. Okay, you truly. K. You truly had paused, and the way I. Is it with a K or with an H? <laughs> You're like this. It's K. It's with a what? I can hear you. K. It's with a K. <laughs> K. <laughs> K. It's hard to sing with this these internet Kaylee issues. K. Your name starts with a mother flipping K. Not an A. But a K. So sorry for the mistake, which is pronounced mistake and not mistake. Do you get gorgeous? Danielle B. Oh yeah, no, it was it very spot on. Um, Daniel Danielle Danielle B has like a has a target on her back. I think. Danielle B, you always have, you always will. It doesn't mean we don't love you, Danielle. Danielle, it's like a very feminine Daniel. It's Danielle, it's also my middle name. Danielle, Danielle, you're never going to hell because you're going to heaven because you gave me money. If that doesn't make you want to join Patreon, I don't know what is. I really don't. I mean, whoo! I wish we had Cookie like the crisp. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Hold on, hey, I have to I've got a question. I think I go first because I always do. You're gonna Except go first. The times it's you odd. do, <laughs> then you go first. It's even. It's even. So you go first. This is a story I cannot wait to bring you. 
oh my God, straight for my mouth. Bring it. All right. So I would say that there was like a very awesome Texas Monthly. Uh, <gasps> I wrote love it. Texas was it Monthly. Skip Hollingsworth? Oh my God, was it? Skip, he writes them all. He, writes, and he did write this of course, one because he's he writes so good. all of them. He's so Skip is good. The, Skip is the best. You guys, Skip, you should shout out to forget Skip. about sending us money. Just send Skip no, no, your money. Skip has, a, Skip, Skip has a safe job at Texas Monthly. I, I know it's a dying. Maybe, maybe Skip could use some money. Skip has got to have a book in the works there's no way that guy doesn't have a book or like a movie deal based on one of these articles well move over skip move over because ruth rendon also wrote a really good article in the houston chronicle so people be writing you got to stay on your toes okay skip skip's totally Um, got a target on his back i'll you know what believe it or not i just really couldn't stop reading about this so it was like abc cbs gainesville sun lots of abc but those were like the power plays i mean there was a lot of good it's always little so articles good to have a girthy here. article it's so beneficial when you got an article that's fun to read oh, i mean and i read a lot of stuff but that was those were the big daddy ones um there was a lot of like uh fort worth star telegrams and uh sacramento bees and this kind of thing but i just have to get to the story because i Ugh. it's a little bit lengthy and so let me bring it to you Live. Let's from put, it, put it on a platter. Serve it up. Live next to. I'm sitting on the floor next to a pack and play. Why are you sitting next to a pack and okay. play? Is someone coming to visit? Is Brianna coming in town? Nope. Um, we just put this in here. We thought you'd want it in your room when you got back. <laughs> Is this to entice me? Are you? You guys, it's wild. Quinn has Quentin like a weird seat. setup in her room where she has like. It's weird. It's like all my favorite things. She has like a, like goldfish crackers in the bed. She has like a weird spa certificate to the heir to the Roman baths, which is like really mm-hmm. wild. She also has like a home cooked meal that's just there steaming in a beautiful cast iron skillet. Like it's weird. It's it's weird that she's like made out her room to be like my dream space. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. I'm just trying. I'm trying to get you back. I want you back. Okay, let's get into this skip story featuring Raynell, Renard, Re- Rebecca, Re- what's her no, name? No, that was another writer. This is the story of, you know what? I don't know who it's the story of. You be the judge of who this story is, but I'm going to start with judge. a woman. You know I start with a judgment. So yeah, bring it on. I'm going to start with a woman named Bobby Bacha who runs a PI agency called Blue Moon Investigations. Great name. I think we can all agree. You saw me standing alone without a crime in my hand. You know what? She has so many crimes. It's stacked. So she grew up in Galveston. Her dad was a cop. And he's bringing home, like, work. And she's watching. And she's like, this is crazy. This is exciting. Like, he's bringing home investigations and and exhibits and stuff fun yeah exactly and so she's like i love bacon but what i love more is stories and she wasn't always into this but then she after her first divorce she gets kind of depressed and she's living on tiki island which is near galveston texas um it has such an adorable name i was like where in the bahamas it's in texas name that feels like a party town island Tiki Island sounds just, like let's get it my just tie. picturing a tiki bar yeah, like that's a bar that's, that's not like a cute that's not cute though that's party vibes you wouldn't live in a tiki bar I mean I would I wouldn't but I wouldn't be like look welcome to my cute home I'd be like welcome to my party pad 
Let's oh, move on. Okay. I would be. We have Blue Moon okay. Investigations. She's got a dad who's so, a cop. She's fucking in. She was really sad after her divorce, and she would just, like, sit on her back porch, and her friends started calling her the Blue Moon Lady. And so, basically, that will later end up being what she names her PI firm is Blue Moon Investigations, because it was sort of, like, her nickname at that point. She had has been married three times. She's the mother of three kids. Um, but in 1983, after getting divorced... She is in her 40s and she's like, I'm just going to start this new career. I want to be a PI. That's what I want to do. And it totally helps her because she's really depressed and has like a broken heart. But she can funnel all this attention into this other thing. Um, She's really, really good at it. She puts an ad in the paper that says, need a clue? Call blue. That's like the That's their little tagline. Yes. Yes. And what's cool about Bobby is that she's like, I think women are really good investigators. Like men do this job a lot, but women are so much more uh, naturally observant than men that I think that that her words, not mine, but she's giving the girl boss. She's giving girl bossification of Sherlock Holmes. And I like it. I like it. So most of her uh, of like the 38 assistant investigators she hires are women. One thing I love is she ends up meeting a guy and marrying him. Um, I don't remember his first name. His last name is Lucas. And he is sounds like a really sweet guy. He's an aerospace engineer. And when she needs another person on a case and like people are like he does, he'll work for her. So I also love that. I think it's cute. Yeah. Um, Unfaithful spouses make up almost, well, like a third of her business. And she says it depends on the season because spring is the highest time for infidelity, which makes sense because, you know, in the spring, people get really Twitter-pated. Yes. That's what they say in Bambi. (laughs) They do. You learned your sex education from Bambi, which I love. But more importantly, it's like people want to cuff up during winter. They want to let loose and spring it out in the spring. I get it. Yeah, it makes sense. So... Um, but she's doing all kinds of cases for all kinds of folks. She, some of it's like really amazing and fulfilling where she'll like put put families that have been separated. She'll figure out who your bio parents are and and facilitate reunions and really beautiful things. Um, she's also doing cases that are like um, corporate clients. So they'll be like trying to figure out is this business hiding assets or something like that. And there was one case that was so cool that she was trying to figure out if they were hiding things. So she showed up at their office as like, I'm a cleaner. I'm here to clean the office. And she just collected all their garbage and took it with her. And then in the garbage could find all this proof that they were hiding assets. But meanwhile, they never figured out it was her. And so like a week later, they called her to be like, can you come do the windows? <laughs> like, they're really happy with her cleaning job. So they're like, come do the windows. And it's like, That's dude, so no. good. Um, I actually got and then she all told the things me- I needed from that cleaning job. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm good. I, I retired. The other case that I thought you would find really funny that she talks about is that this woman hires her to be like, I think my husband's cheating on me. So they go follow him to... Um, the airport and he is with this other woman and they go check into a hotel and they're they're like obviously together and then they leave the hotel and the people sent to spy on them 
somehow get a maid to let them into their room and inside the room they get like all the proof they need that they're having the affair but when they go to report the affair to the woman and be like you were right he's cheating on you here's the situation we found this 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 we also found this big jar of uh cheese whiz and when she reads that they found the cheese whiz that's when she gets really upset and she's like i thought cheese whiz was our thing was this so, me? <laughs> was this the story I of my it, 20s? I hate to tell you this because I think you're just thinking about someone having a snack, but I actually think there is a sex thing going on there. Oh, I just thought people whiz. were hungry for cheese whiz. I thought people, I, I still believe it, but that's Of course you did. Cart- you're so also, innocent, I don't, Carrie. I don't think that you can have a carton of cheese whiz. I think it comes in a can. Don't come for me with Midwest snacks because I'm going to show up. You didn't know it couldn't be used for sex stuff. Okay, because I use, I do it for the property on can. I like don't know that you can huff and I don't know for sex stuff, but I know you can th- throw it on a celery and ruin any nutritional value and you know you know what actually I take it back adding fun delicious stuff does not take away from the nutritional value of the thing you're adding it to I would love it if you were like here watch me ruin this celery <laughs> January 27th 1999 is where we're going to go now in our story we're going to leave Bobby behind for a minute but okay. I do want you guys to know that another fun back. high profile thing Bobby did was be like I can eat She's like, I can help with the Durst case, like of the jinx. Tell me like more, she helped tell me figure more. because I don't what know if you she remember offer? the neighbor yes. he killed was from Galveston. 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 Mm-hmm. Galveston. Yeah, she's amazing. But I did I did want to just add that, but I also want to say in the interest of actually starting this story and not just giving you background on my friend Bobby that's gonna play a part in it. Let's go to January twenty seventh, nineteen ninety-nine. Chuck Knight comes to Bobby and says I need somebody to investigate. I need somebody to follow my wife, Julie Knight, and her best friend, Gail Bridges. Because here's the deal. Chuck and Julie are a couple. They are neighbors with Gail and her husband, Steve. Like a good neighbor, Steve Bridges is there. I say that because Steve Bridges works for Allstate. They also are really good friends where their kids play together. They have New Year's Eve together. They are like... Thick as thieves. Fast friends. And the two women, thick as thieves, the two women are become like besties. They're playing tennis together. They're going shopping together. They're hanging out a lot. And then the marriages both start to suck like they do um, in life. And Chuck and Steve are like, wait, does your marriage kind of suck? Yeah, my marriage sucks. Does your marriage suck? And it's like, yeah, oh, I know what must be happening. Our wives seem to really like each other. I guess they're gay for each other. That's what's going on. So then when he comes in, Bobby's like, okay, I'll follow them. Like, that's my job. So she, you know, she has a bunch of investigators that work for her. She actually did this gig herself. She follows them to the mall and like watches them go shoe shopping and listens to them. And then she comes back to Chuck and she's like, so Gail and Julie, they're just friends. Like they're just hanging out. And I just have to point out, sir, that um, I don't think that women's relationships are um, they don't work the same way as men. Do you understand that? Like, I think she's kind of like just because they like to hang out. They're not gay for each other. Like, no. So according to Bobby, I don't have any, you know, proof of this. But she says that Chuck then says to her, well, in your report, can you kind of spice it up a bit? Kind of maybe inflame it? Because he's like maybe going to use this in court. So she's like, no. Chuck will later say, I didn't do that. We're in, That was January. 
flash forward to mid-July 99 and Julie and Gail, not ever knowing they were followed by Bobby, show up at Bobby's office. And they're like, hi, our husbands are divorcing, like we're getting divorced and they're trying to go to court and say that we're gay for each other so that they can like not have to give us all their money. And I think that there's something fishy here and by the way like what are they even up to and so julie ends up being like you should follow my husband chuck so she has chuck followed and guess who is having an affair let me chuck guess it's is. the guy and chuck accusing is her of having an this- affair yeah oh my god exactly pot calling the kettle so he is having an affair with Lori Wells, who it doesn't, she won't come up again, but the point being, she is a good friend of Julian Gale's, like very much in the community. And Chuck is going and having an affair with her. So then all three couples in this scenario, Lori and her husband, Steve and Gail, Chuck and Julie, everybody is getting a divorce. It's very ugly. It's across the board. Like people are doing crazy things, vandalizing oh each other's shit, harassing each other. At one point, Julie and Gail are like, we think they're taping our phone calls and then editing our conversations. So we'll like talk about how we went and had ice cream. And then they'll edit it to make it sound like we're talking sexy at each other. We even do totally that with our out of podcast. Control. I'm so curious how like a two. F- that's wild. <laughs> I'm not that good an editor, but I could try <laughs> if that's our goal. <laughs> so our goal. what the net. <laughs> that's the new goal. I'm all right. I'm down. See, you're going to cut. I'm down and turn it into something. Anyway, Gail ends up getting custody this is kind of weird, of two of the younger kids that she had with Steve. Steve gets custody of their eldest. Seems weird they split the kids, but it wasn't there. I don't know the situation. Oh, my God. Um, so I'm going to try to not judge it, and I'm just going to tell you bare bones that what happens next is that Gail gets a job at Space Center Orthodontics. She's divorced, she has kids, and she has a crush on her new boss, David Harris. And David Harris is noticing Gail. Uh, People said that right away when she got to the office, she was pulling some cool moves like dropping a pencil and doing the full bend instead of the bend at the knees. So she knows how to get the attention. It's working. And pretty soon, David Harris is like, do you want to have lunch with me? And she's like, I do. Now, David is married. David is married to Clara. David and Clara Harris are a couple that have been together a while. Clara was born in Bogota, raised by a single mom. She put herself through school and became a super successful dentist. He's super successful. So they have all this. They like are very they have a beautiful life, a beautiful home in a suburb called Friendswood. What would friends do? Friends would not cheat on friends. Yeah, the amount is of what affairs. I, say. I think like the normalization of cheating on everyone in this situation is kind of out of control at this point. And and maybe like I mean I'm a big supporter and like just get a divorce if you're going to get a divorce. But this just this feels like really out of hand. This just feels like a lot of accusations, a lot of actual cheating. And like I, again, no one's inventing the wheel in cheating here. But like. The amount of name calling and accusations, all these couples back and forth, and then to find out everyone is just actually like, ugh, I'm bored. It's it's jarring. It's jarring. So this couple also has kids, uh, David and Clara. They have three year old twin sons, um, and 
David has an older daughter, Lindsay. She's a teenager. She's like 15 or 16 from his previous marriage. Gets along with Clara beautifully. Actually, we're about to bring Bobby back into this story, but before we do, I'm going to give you a fun fact, which is that David is the one that put adult braces on Bobby Botch's husband. <laughs> to give a, a, a more narrow picture of who David is, because right now he's just a dentist that likes to fuck, I will say. He goes to Baptist church. He plays the drums in like a soft rock church group. And he like seems to really love Clara, but... Then he starts this affair with Gail. And a lot of people that knew them were like, this was a midlife crisis. And they have to like come up with some reason because I'm telling you that what they are, the image they're projecting is one of happiness. And it doesn't feel like that was feigned. It feels right. like they had a really strong relationship. It's really sad that he ends up having this, this affair. Choice. People in the office that knew he was doing this were also really upset by it. Like it, it that's, was. It, that's just it, shitty. Also, that's just like being a bad. That's being a, like if that's his office and he's fucking around and he's making his other employees like cover up for him. That's really fucked. People said it was poisoning the atmosphere. Course, they were getting wait, really. People upset. said. I'm sorry. You're telling me people said it was poisoning the atmosphere. Wild. How a boss. Fucking one of his nurses is poisoning the atmosphere. You know what? People are buzzkills these days. No, of course it was. Of course it was poisoning <laughs> the fucking atmosphere. Well, Captain Obvious. I know, but like sometimes, of course, but at the same time, it's like in, in my mind, that could have gone a few different ways where people like really don't like your wife or don't know her. So it means less to them. But people knew Clara. She's in the same world as them, the, the world of orthodontics. Orthodontia. So this woman, That's though, so does go to her and say, oh. this woman goes to her and is like, you need to protect your marriage. You need to be careful. You should not brush off anything that seems strange. So she's already going to get tipped off. I don't know if she, to be fair, I don't know what leads to this. Something leads to David sitting down with Clara in July and saying, I'm having this affair. Like, and it might just be that he was that close to getting caught or that she asked. I don't know. But she gets hysterical. They go to the office. She confronts Gail and is like, you can't work for my husband anymore. You're fired. And then the next day, Clara and David, this is so fucking crazy. They go sit down and have drinks at the airport, which seems like a weird place to have drinks. Well, there's a fountain there. Um, I don't know if you heard. There's a great fountain there that people love. (laughs) Yeah, it's not LaGuardia. Oh, okay. Sure. She gets out two napkins and they start doing like a pros and cons Gail versus Clara for him on the napkins. Like she's writing. Clara is? Where she's like, what do you like about her? What do you like better about me? Yes. And it is brutal, the things that get written. It is things like that Gail's a better listener, that Clara's overweight and Gail's petite and is her figure is so perfect to like snuggle and sleep with that he can hold her all night. And Clara's like, oh, that's so weird. He never holds me ever. I didn't even know he wanted to do that. He's like, her breasts are better. (gasps) That is just cruel. But but he's also like, he's like, you have prettier eyes and way prettier hands and feet. Like, it's like so gross, the kind of stuff that gets written on these napkins. Next day is July 19th. And this is like a Friday. Allegedly, she's like calling Gail a bunch. You know, there's rumors or uh, allegations 
Julie, I think, who is still friends with Gail, was like, she was harassing her. But Clara is demolished. She's completely destroyed by this. She quits eating completely. She instantly loses like 10 pounds. She go, the, When she finds out her husband's doing this, she goes and puts a down payment on liposuction and breast implants. She hires a personal trainer. She starts going to a tanning salon. Like in a matter of one week, she's like, I'm going to change my whole appearance because I'm going to keep this marriage together and I'm going to be like so hot and I'm going to get my husband back. And she's like, let's tell it everybody what you did. So like he sits down, he tells his parents that this happened. He tells his daughter, Lindsay, that this happened. And he's like, can you forgive me? Meanwhile, in a really strange move, but I guess they're being really honest as evidenced by the fucking napkins. Clara is like, we have to move forward. This has to be part of our normal. We can move forward from here. It just needs to be out in the open. It feels like if he really wanted to make this work, maybe he shouldn't have said such absolutely demolishing, cruel shit to her. But I feel yeah. like Clara, it feels like Clara's like, I can't sweep this out of the rug. I have, this has to be out in the open. I can't hold this secret on in my in my own chest. Like, I have to let people know because I need support. Like, again, those are all things that make a lot of sense. But mm-hmm. I, it, it's... It feels like, you know, honesty is like does not have to be cruel, right? And like it feels like David yeah. is like really not taking that option. They're, they're, hey, just a PSA, you don't have to be cruel. Um, you don't have to be um, cruel when you're honest. Okay, that's just all I want to say about that. I agree with you. And Clara tells David, I don't even like necessarily expect you to break it off with her. I do in the sexual sense, but like maybe you could be friends with her one day, but I need you to like. I need you to go cold turkey. Really, yeah. Well, I need you I, to be clear that's with not her. not asking a lot. I mean, again, if unless like he wants an open relationship, which it doesn't sound like that's what either of them want. Again, like each of these relationships, it sounds are so personal. I don't think and so he unique. wants an open relationship. I think he's just, he's genuinely, I don't think he knows who to pick. Like I think he's like. Claire is like, obviously, it's me. We have these kids together and this life together. But I think that he's like, maybe I would be with Gail. Like, I think he's like, maybe I would leave you for Gail. Either way, she is like, you need to break it off. And he's like, I'm going to. I'm going to go meet her at this restaurant and I'm going to break it off. But Clara is not so sure that she obviously has a lot of trust issues now Mm. at this point because she found out he was cheating on her. So Mm -hmm. on July 23rd, whose office does she roll up to? But Bobby fucking Bodges. Yeah, she's she's flipping through the yellow pages and sees need a clue, call blue. And she's like, let's do this thing. So she shows up and she's like, this woman is evil. Her name is Gail Bridges. Believe it or not, even though Bobby has now had run-in after run-in with Gail Bridges. What I am saying is that for whatever reason, when she's doing the paperwork, it doesn't occur to Bobby that she knows this Gail woman at all. That she she's had a, a million cases yeah. come through here. So she's just like, okay, you want to follow the woman he's having an affair with Gail Bridges and follow him. Okay, yeah, no this- problem. You want to see if they're really breaking up? Sure. I'm going to hire this woman that works for me to follow them, Lindsay, Lindsay Dubeck. She's 25 years old. She's a student. She'll be great. She's going to follow them and make sure they're really breaking up and and monitor like whatever. But here's the thing. By the next night, when she goes in and hires this woman to do this, by the next night, David will be dead. So what happens the next day Now we're on July 24th. This is all like happening so quickly. It's like a week's time where everything goes nuts. David is supposed to go to this restaurant and end things with Gail. 
Now, not only has Clara hired a PI to follow them, but she's also trying to figure out, she's doing her own PI work. She's sort of like, the PI is extra. She's got trust and issues. And I'm doing my own She's shit. got trust issues. I do want to just backtrack and say, you know, Bonnie does say that she has, is, no, is it Bobby? It Bobby. Bobby does say that it like women are more um, detail oriented and have attention to detail. And I just want to say her not realizing she's followed this woman once and also was hired by her once doesn't sort of like lend credence to that fact. But I, I do want to continue on with the story. But I got to say, like, a little surprising in that. I know she's had a million cases, but like you've only followed and gotten hired by the same person. So that feels noteworthy. <laughs> In addition, I get it. Gail, like Clara, she's she's she doesn't feel trusting. Okay, so I get it. She's following. It's just type A. I get it. I get it. So what happens is instead of going to the restaurant, David takes Gail to a hotel oh, and he pays cash for a room. Oh, God. Now, Lindsay Dubeck is following them. Clara is also following them. She's driving in the sense that she goes to the restaurant they're meant to be at. Guess who's in the car with her? Lindsay, David's like 16-year-old daughter. They go to the restaurant and they're like, he's not here. They go to the hotel and they see Gail's car is in the parking lot of the hotel. It is the Nassau Bay Hilton. This is a big deal because the Nassau Bay Hilton is also where Clara and David had their wedding reception (gasps) on Valentine's Day of 1992. And now he is there with his mistress. So Clara gets out of the car and does what anyone would do. She fucking goes after Gail's car. She breaks the taillights. She keys it, you know. Uh And then she's like, let's go figure out if he's in a room with, with Gail. And they go into the hotel and they're like asking about his name, but he's clearly used a fake name to book the room. So... They both get on their cell phones and call him and say one of the twins is sick. And it sounds like it's got to be real because she says it. Lindsay says it. And he says, oh, no problem. I'm at the restaurant, but I'll leave right now. And they stand in that lobby and the elevator doors open. And he is there with his mistress, not where he said he was going to be. So it is a fucking scene. He has just doubled down on his lie on the phone with her. And when they come out of that elevator, Clara goes nuts and she's like ripping Gail's shirt. Okay. Well, calling her every name in the book. Call him a name. Call him a name. Call him a name. Don't call. I can't. can't. She screams through the lobby. This is David Harris. And he's having sex with this woman. Like she's like trying to shame them. She's doing everything she can think to do, but she's frantic and the his daughter's oh, there God. and she's yelling, I hate you to David. Like it is quite the scene. Uh, it takes all these like hotel employees and David like pull them apart, pull Gail away from mm-hmm. Clara. Security guards show up and they escort David and Gail out of the hotel to the garage. Clara follows shortly after also to the garage. She gets into her Mercedes And just guns it. She goes straight toward them. As she is going, people bang on her hood that work at the hotel trying to get her to stop. She clips the back of Gail's car and just hits 
David, who is not inside the car. Oh, my God. Just hits him. Oh, my God. He flies up in the air. (gasps) The impact is enormous. He flies up in the air 25 feet. Oh, my God. Lands on the ground. And as he does so, she's going over the median to come back and run over him again. No. She runs over him three times. His daughter's in the passenger seat of the car running over him. Oh, my God. Now, Lindsay jumps out of the car, goes around to Clara, punches Clara in the face, then runs to her dad, who's on the ground. Clara gets out of the car, goes to the body as well, goes to David and starts crying and saying, it's, you know, like begging him to breathe and saying, I love you. I love you. I'm sorry. I love you. Like she's like, is he okay? Is he okay? Right after doing this. Oh like if and it feels very genuine, like she yeah. like, oh, my God, you're not dead, though. It just blood is coming out of his ears and mouth and his eyes are slightly open. It does not look like he's going to be OK. And the Nassau Bay police uh, lieutenant shows up and says that he sees the daughter lying on the ground, just can't, you know, crying without, with abandon, like just like cannot stop crying. Oh my God. And he's like, listen, first of all, she was in the car that was running over her dad over and over again. Now this woman that she probably has been calling mom is getting handcuffed. And the last thing she fucking said to her dad was, I hate you. That's horror. It's horror. I know. Oh God. Oh God. The investigator, Lindsay, that I told you about, from her perspective, followed them to the hotel, was in the garage, was basically like writing down, like went to the hotel, went up and got a room. She's now in the garage and like a girl, she's 25. She's like a student. A friend of hers met her, like brought some fast food. They're like eating in the car. She sees them getting back in the garage and she does what she's always supposed to do, which is like film them, basically. You know, you're supposed to get like pictures. So she... She ends up not knowing what's about to happen, filming the whole thing. Jesus. Filming this murder. So now there's evidence that can be entered into. (gasps) There's like a front row seat to this. Totally. And Bobby Bacha of the whole thing is like this woman, Clara, was really off because the day after this happened and she had run over this man, she called me and she wanted a refund because she said she deserved a refund because we didn't finish the night of surveillance after she killed David. <laughs> Who was there to sur- surveil? He's dead. Like, sh- I'm saying like, cl- I don't know that that happened, but it makes her sound really unwell in denial unwell. or something. Yeah, unwell. The media was like going nuts, as you can imagine. Like mm. the talk show hosts are making jokes about this in their monologue. But I think that what was so interesting was that a lot of people were like, it, it a little bit of a Betty Broderick situation mm. of a lot of people hearing about these details of like this happy life and you have these three-year-old twins and this guy cheats on you for a little bit younger, a little bit prettier of a woman. And like, there was a little bit he deserves it gossip flying around. Oh, no one deserves that. No, to be clear, no one deserves that. I think it's really hard because I, th- I again, I mean, I, I know. I mean, I've never been in this angry situation, but you know that feeling when, when you've been let down by someone you care for or someone who you trusted, that feeling of absolute and utter pain and loss at. Mm-hmm. at 
at like like and railing against God in some way. And I I think what's so hard about this and I think why people connect to that is they can see how like a flash of anger or of disappointment or hurt could turn you into doing something like this where the where the That's effects so are permanent. interesting. That's so interesting that you say it that way. I think that there was like people saying like there are rules and then there are Texas rules. There was, I don't know. There were things about like people kind of being like, I see red too. Even when they like went to go get a jury, there were so many people that were like, well, I almost killed my spouse when I found out they cheated on me. Like there were so many things like that, that they were like, whoa. I mean, I think it also comes from the idea like, again, it's why hopefully like we're, we're being better to our kids or the children of the world now and being like, here's how you talk about your feelings. Like here's, Here's why, like, you can be upset, you can have a big feeling, but also understand that, like, the things you say have permanent effects. And in this case, it's like the actions you do, the thing that you, that you, the the reaction can have, like, permanent lasting effects. Like, I don't think Clara went in there expecting to kill David. I don't. I don't no, know. I don't no, think so at all. Not. I think it, it was. It doesn't feel premed. Yeah. Well, so we'll get to that. But what I did want to tell you before we get to the trial that was kind of interesting in terms of the stuff that went on in the media is that everything I just told you, all the backstory yeah. about Gail, of course, that ends up coming up because they're looking who is this woman that he was having the affair with. And they they find out that in 2001, Gail and Julie went on Sally Jesse Raphael, Sally Jesse Raphael's show. The name of the show was My Husband Spies on Me. And they showed up in like costumes because they were trying to protect their identity to explain that they had been like followed by their husbands and accused of being lesbians. And what's so crazy is then the story takes on this even weirder thing where New York Post publishes something that says bisexual triangle led to car slay of hubby. Well, what's, like they're I just what's, trying to again, be like, I, 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 the Jill of it all, the, I'm sorry, the Gail of it all is so crazy to me where like Gail is being indicted in this love triangle when like, to me, secondary character. Like, I, I mean, I love her in this character of your story because it is fun, the connection. But again, like, I, I said, like, blaming her for the affair I don't think is is right. I think it's, like, the, the, the affair ends with the person who made the commitment to begin with. So, like, you know, at, that, at the same point, I'm not saying that he deserved to die or to be hurt or to be run over. That is insane. That is truly maddening and insane. And the loss of his life is super tragic. But the idea that Gail is now being brought through this trial as, like, as, like, what? Like, what is the... What, what, to what end? What are they trying to prove? That like, because- well, I think they liked painting her as this like wild bisexual who, again, she was not bisexual. No. She was straight. She was never with. It was just a friend of hers. But like anything they could find to make obviously the story more salacious, but also the characters more evil kind of seeming or like yeah, they were, salacious. you know, it's like, ooh, she was really out to break up this marriage. And but I think too, what ends like, up happening. There's also this thing that people do, and we've talked about it before, where people will put a lot of different barriers on things like this because it's too close. It's too mm-hmm. close to the feeling that they understand, to that they know, and like that. That is so threatening to people that they have to put that the other woman was this Jezebel character, and that would never mm-hmm. happen to me. It's like putting a boundaries so that you can protect yourself from the potential that this could affect you. 
Yeah, I mean, and folks really connected with the story. A lot of them seemed to, like I said, really sort of root for her. And even in trial, she pleads not guilty. And her defense lawyer says this was not an act that was in any way akin to the mentality of Clara Harris. We have a professional person who's very intelligent. When you see the man that you love in the arms of someone else, that has to have such a deep emotional impact on you. And of course, I don't disagree. Of course it would. Now, most of us don't jump in a car and run over somebody three times when we're feeling emotional. But Lindsay, it's interesting what happens with the family. Let me tell you what happens with the family. Lindsay shows up and says... She was saying in the car, I could kill him and get away with it for all he's put me through. Before she hit him, she said, I'm going to hit him. Like she's saying, she was trying to say like, I think this was very premeditated. And I was with her in the car and these are things I heard her saying. I don't know if it's true or not, but um, David's parents, meanwhile, forgive her almost immediately and are like, we hope she can raise those boys, the twins. Like, which you've never, I've never heard of that. that. Oh, I've never heard of that. I wonder if I just, ooh, ooh, that's I couldn't believe that sticky situation. Yeah, I, I I, I, I don't want to be the arbiter of forgiveness, right? Like that's uh, that's not my place. Like that's their son. I, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine as a parent ever forgiving the person that took your kid away, no matter how old they are. Oh, and then Clara's saying, well, you know, I I was like in a dream state. I was in a fugue state. I was so upset. She says I was in so much pain that I wasn't thinking anything. Like there was no logical, this is what I'll do and this is what the consequence is. Um, and she says, I, I wanted to smash the car. I, I didn't think about that. I, you know, and they're meanwhile, they got to watch this tape that they have of this thing ooh, happening and then ooh, kind of ooh. look at this man getting run over again and again. What is and the, so, what is the like therapy um, allowance for, for a jurors. jury? You know, like, come on, that's, that's fucked. That's so fucked to watch that. So they do two and a half weeks of testimony and they watch these tapes and then they have set, they take seven hours and they do find Clara guilty. She gets a 20 year sentence, uh, in 2003 and she ends up serving 15 of those 20 years um and while she's in prison they bring her boys in to visit her a bunch and they never hold it you know they're babies when this happens they're three and they have a good relationship with their mom um they're now grown up whatever gone to college um she has a parole hearing at one point and they're like nope back in um but she does serve 15 of those years she's out now and there is a movie about this called suburban madness but i don't know how many sort of liberties they took it's definitely um a fictionalized account of what happened um so i didn't I watch love it but this web of characters you're created and i think you're totally right to sort of like who is this story about i think bobby's a really interesting character but I think the story is about Clara and David. Yeah. It feels yeah. like. I think you're right. I think that I wanted to do it almost from a Bobby Bacha standpoint because I find her in general really interesting. And I think that this bizarre thread of Gail having, they hired someone to follow Gail. Then on that same payroll, Gail and her friend come in and hire them Jesus. to follow someone. Jesus. And it ends up, be- and then years later, 
they end up unknowingly following Gail again and witnessing this murder. And it's just for for how many times a PI has entered my life? Zero. I was just like impressed that here's this like suburban mom who like the file at, at Blue Moon Investigations is getting thick on her. <laughs> yeah, do you think she like cleared bizarre. it every seven years like uh, taxes and that's why she didn't remember working with her? I just like I can't oh, imagine. I can't imagine. I think she's also, doing like, in Galveston. I think you're maybe, underestimating is, her business load. Okay, but like yes, but Bobby, the amount of work she has in Galveston, a third of the affairs. Like, what is it about? To, I know everything is bigger in Texas, but my God, like, I, not I don't want that bigger. Like, I don't want the affairs bigger. That just feels like I. I just it, here's what's shocking to me. I don't have friends who. I mean, we all know someone who's cheated on someone. We all know someone who's been involved in an affair. Period. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. let's, let's not, let's not play innocent or play dumb on that respect, but like a third of that's a third of her Kate, that's just like, and it makes sense, but oof. I do think, I like, think it would be hard to be married and have that be your job. Like, oh, granted, yeah. I think she's on her third or fourth marriage, but so I'm like, I think she'd agree with you. I think she'd actually say, but it is, yeah, I agree. Just, like what a weird outlook you would have if everybody that you spoke to in a day was like. Lying. I think they're cheating. But well, also lying. Here's the truth. There must be a lot of times where she follows people and is like, they're not. Like, which was true of Gail and Julie, where she's like, they're not. You're yeah, paranoid. Yeah, but I don't, I, I don't know if they're paranoid. I think they just were like trying to get shit in the court case. But also like, just to go back at that case, they divided the kids between parents. Wild. Wild. I don't know that story. I couldn't deep dive every aspect, but man, maybe that's a second. It was a wild that's a follow one. up. But thank you. That's an incredible Skip story. Knows. If you have any questions, please contact Skip Hollinsworth. Quint, this has been over an hour so far. It's probably going to be like this has been about I'm an done. hour so far. <laughs> Jesus. What do you want from me? I finished. Okay, I'm going to tell my story because we have to. And I'm, God, these are going to be long. <laughs> I'm so tired. I can't even tell you. It is 11:36, and I walked so much today. Yeah. Like that, admit it, that's a lot. It's good. How many How many steps? I think I did over 15,000. It was like over seven Ooh. miles and it was like uphill. The elevation Ooh. is insane. Okay. So I got this information from Tampa Bay, ABC News, CNN, Orlando Sentinel, Oxygen, and BBC. So we're going Florida, baby. I'm doing the story of Abraham Lee Shakespeare. So a little bit about Abraham Lee Shakespeare is he grew up pretty poor Um, He actually dropped out of school after seventh grade. So he some articles say that he is illiterate. Some people say that he was not proficient in reading and writing. I think what we can surmise from this is that he has a seventh grade education from Florida. And I don't think that they focus a lot on reading or I don't think he really took to reading very well. Either way, this person doesn't have a, a massive education. But he is a day laborer. He, you know, I mean, he's getting by in life. He's doing his thing. Um, apparently, early in his life, I saw in an article that he had spent some time in jail for burglary. Um, so it just seems like this guy was, like, hard down on his luck. He didn't have a lot of access to certain things. And But, you know, he's 30, he's 40 years old. He's working for pools during the day. It's Florida. That's got to be a lot of money in that because there's a lot of pools. And you know what? Frankly, you don't need to read. So anyway, so it's 2006 and Abraham Lee Shakespeare, he goes to the store. He gets a lottery ticket. He comes home. The lottery balls are picked. Quinn. And guess what? Abraham Lee Shakespeare wins over $30 million 
in the lottery. Somebody has to. Somebody, somebody has, has to. to. That's what and my I'm, mom always says. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to win. And I'm actually really glad he does. Um. Okay, wait. I might take that back later, but I think... In he, this moment. In this moment, I'm really glad he does. He, he takes the half payout, right? Which is you can either get paid mm-hmm. monthly or you could get paid just the sum in half um, right out, right then and there. And so he decides to take half of the money. So he gets about $16.9 million. He buys himself a BMW. He moves to a working class neighborhood in Lakeland, Florida. He buys himself a house and he's sitting pretty. But like, I don't think he, it, it doesn't seem like he's someone who's like spending a ton of money. Like apparently he started dating a woman after he won the lottery and they would like go take a trip, a day trip to New York. And then he was like, oh, that was really fun. I actually want to go back. And they went back for two days Um, because part of what he's doing as well is he's basically giving a bunch of his money away. He starts Mm -hmm. to help his community. He essentially, you know, he's People are calling him people. He's very generous. He's like helping people pay off their mortgages. People are calling him. Random people are coming from out of the woodwork being like, hey, can I have some money? He's like giving everybody money. He's he's in way over his head. Can I have his number? Well, it's disconnected because he's in way over his head at this point. And, And keep in mind, his education level is not very high. And he's been dealing with no money his entire life. And to get such a massive influx, that... That must feel daunting and crazy. So it's he wins the lottery in 2006. And it's about 2008. And he's in way over his head. He's lent a bunch of people money. Nobody's paying their debts to him. He's also like trying just like like there's stories of like p- inmates from a prison calling and being like, can I have a thousand dollars? And he'll like get the letter and be like, oh, I'll give him 50. Like and he doesn't know mm-hmm. these people. So like imagine who he knows. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's in over his head. He needs some help. And a friend introduces him to this woman, Dee Dee Moore. Now, Dee Dee Moore um, meets Abraham Lee Shakespeare. And she goes, hey, listen, I'd like to help you, but I actually want to write a book about you. It's kind of like a rags to riches story. It's like an interesting thing. You're an interesting subject. And also, I actually do. It's weird. I want to write this book, but I also can totally help you with your finances. Like, actually, I'm like really more than happy to help you with your finances. And I think at this point, he's like, you're not asking something of me. You're going to help me. Sure. Let's fucking go for it. So at this point, she says when she started working with him, he had maybe a million dollars left of his lottery. And um, at this point, she's like, wow, he's been spending. (laughs) He's been spending a lot. And again, he's really in over his head. And at this point, she's helping him with his financial um, stuff. And so she's like logged into his accounts. She's has full access. And apparently, she starts funneling money to herself. Mm-hmm. It's about two years uh, or no, it's about a year and a half after. It's November 2009. He is 42 years old. And the police get a call. It's from his cousin, this guy, Cedric Edom. And he says, hey, I haven't heard from my cousin, Abraham Lee Shakespeare. I haven't heard from him in months. And I don't <laughs> know where he is. He uses his full name. He uses his full yeah. Christian name, Abraham Lee Shakespeare. Because, mm-hmm. like, okay, I don't want to make the joke, but I'm going to make the joke and we can cut it later. But, like, the irony that Abraham Lee Shakespeare, like, Abraham Lincoln is, like, famously a really avid reader and Shakespeare, I don't know if you've heard of him, is like famously like a very, a very well-known writer. The fact that this guy couldn't read or write is like 
really just like kind of wild that his namesakes is Abraham and Shakespeare. Okay, moving on. So anyway, <laughs> um, okay, I, and Lee like Harper Lee, like Harper freaking Lee. Like it, it's just and I, and I think you know that's a lot. So anyway, so immediately detectives are like okay the first thing we do is we follow the money always this guy won the lottery he's got a target on his back like who could want something from him and so they start looking at people who might have owed him money um and they are people who um didn't get any money from him like people who reached out and he was like no i can't help you and this leads detectives to cedric edom his cousin who calls him in who calls in the missing persons report and the police are going hey why didn't you call the police report in earlier than a couple months? They investigate. They do a thorough investigation. They they remove him from their suspicions list. He's good. He's, I guess maybe he just like didn't talk to his cousin often. I don't know. Um, so then they look at um, Abraham's phone records up until mm-hmm. they look at his recent phone numbers, uh, phone records. And they notice that up until April 9th, he was getting like a bunch of calls for people asking for money, some friends and all that stuff. And then after April 9th, there were only calls going to DD, his quote, financial advisor. Mm-hmm. At this point, the police are perplexed and they don't have a ton of information and they're like not really sure what leads to have, but like Didi's not looking good. Like she's, she seems like kind of a suspicious character, like coming in, trying to write a book, taking over his assets. They interview mm-hmm. her. Um, she goes into the police interview for three hours. She ends up showing them a video from April 9th that is a video of Abraham going, I just want to disappear. I just want to disappear. And so she says, mm. listen, he wanted to disappear. He had suicide. all these people act. Okay. Not suicide, but he was like go to a private island. His friends are going, you know what, I actually hope he's on a private island enjoying a margarita who just like peaced out with the rest of his money and called it a day. But the police are pretty stuck. They don't have warrants. They don't have subpoenas. They don't have enough to go on. And so enter the website Web Sleuths. Web Sleuths is a forum where people from their home, they try to find clues to solve unsolved cases. So this case, the case of the missing lottery winner, hits these websites and Cindy Perriette, who goes by the name Sleuthster, she takes a look at this case and she goes, hmm, let me see what I can find. Mm-hmm. She's able to find that Didi's company, American Medical Professionals, which by the way, great company name if you want to like stay above the fray, gotta say, it's like pretty yeah, smart. What a name. What a name. That company now owns Shakespeare's million dollar home. Apparently in 2009, huh. she paid $655,000 for it. They are able to find pictures of Dee Dee in this home, living it up. And that's when these sleuthsters, that and the fact that she owned this property are like, this isn't adding mm-hmm. up. She knows way more than she's letting on, and we need to help find this. So meanwhile, one of the detectives, this guy, David Clark, finds his way onto the forum, and he's looking at all this information, and he is impressed. He's looking at this information and going, whoa, you're on to something. And he signs up for the website just to tell them, hey, you're doing a good job. Your work is not going unnoticed. And he also praises them because he goes, listen, I need a subpoena. I needed a, I would need a warrant for all this information. And you you can found just it online. Yeah. Look. And you yeah, just found it great. online. Instant, instant impression or instantly impressed. You mm-hmm. know who else signs up? 
for web sleuths, Dee Dee Moore. Yeah. Dee Dee Moore sees her name on these uh, chit chats, on these little chat rooms, and she says, you know what? Someone's got to defend me, and I guess nobody is. So It'll I be think me, it's gonna, my fake name. <laughs> it's going to be May, is what she says. It's going to be Dee Dee. And so Dee Dee signs and it's up. Shakespeare, because a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And so here's Dee Dee, but she's calling herself Rose. <laughs> Dee Dee is in. Dee Dee, I don't know what her screen name is. It probably is. I did it. I killed him. One, two, three. But <laughs> yeah. whatever. So dot she org. signs up. Dot org. So she signs up for this website, and... She writes on the forum, hey, it's me, Dee Dee. I didn't have anything to do with his disappearance. And actually, I'm still in contact with him. Well, let's actually talk about how she's in contact with him. Um, she uh, she has only, his phone has only contacted her since April 9th. And to make matters even more suspicious, since April 9th, when the police track that phone and, the, and Dee Dee's phone, they noticed that both of these phones are together when the calls are being made. So that doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound good. They also, nope. there's like also family being like, I would really like to hear from my son, i.e. Abraham's mother would like to hear from her son. She gets a call on Christmas and it's of a guy that mm, doesn't sound like her son. And he says, I'm just, I'm just really sick. The police see this happening. They trace the phone call back to this guy, Greg Smith, who owns the phone. Girl, do a star six, seven. I, it just seems like real minor league stuff. But they are able to track Greg Smith and they tail him and they see him meeting up in a shopping mall with Dee Dee Moore and she's handing him money, presumably to impersonate Abraham Lee Shakespeare. Right. So at this point, the police intercept Greg Smith and they're like, hey, Greg, listen. We got you on X, Y, and Z, but what you could do is you actually could become an informant. Sound good? So he agrees to become a secret, a confidential informant for the police, and they concoct this idea that Smith is going to tell more, that Smith is going to tell Dee Dee that he's got a cousin who's going to prison for 30 years on a drug charge, and he'll actually take the murder rap if something had been done to Shakespeare. Mm. So... There's this undercover police officer named Mike Smith who poses as Greg Smith's cousin, which is actually great because they actually have the same last name. And he goes up to Dee Dee and he's like, listen, just pay me $50,000 and you just have to tell me how Shakespeare was killed because if they do find his body, it does need to stand up in the court of law that I actually did that. And this was the first time Dee Dee is ever caught on tape admitting that Abraham is dead. Like, at, up until this point, she mm -hmm. hasn't cracked. She hasn't had any sort yeah. of no, no crack in the facade. It's so weird. It's such a, like, way to catch a kid line where you're like, oh, but really quick, just remind me how he died. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, like, such a dummy thing. It's a really dummy thing. But, like, that's, I mean, I, no criminal is going to outsmart. No, Every criminal is going to, is going to shoot themselves in the foot at some point, right? Mm -hmm. You just have to catch mm -hmm. it. It's like. Robert Durst with Beverly. With her, it's like, you know, she just ha was like, oh, somebody will take the rap for this. I know this will happen. But that's so she she the next day she meets with Greg. She hands over a gun and she also gives him a map marking the location of where Abraham Shakespeare's body is, which is in Plant City, oh. Florida. Pretty fucking damning information. What? So. 
while this is happening, the police are accruing all this evidence with her, right? So they they see that she ended up withdrawing a million dollars from Shakespeare's bank account, and she spent the money on a Hummer, on a Corvette, a truck, and a vacation. Also, she bought what? a house for her boyfriend, which, by the way, isn't... So she really needed it. So I mean, she... You know what? She was in dire straits. And you know why she needed it? Because she needed a place to bury the fucking body. Because the house that this body is buried at is in Plant City, where she bought a house for her boyfriend. Oh, my God. Again, so fucking obvious. So anyway, so because of this information, because they have this map on where his body is, they now have like a new lease. They're able to connect Mm -hmm. it. They can get a warrant. They can connect this house in Plant City to the house that she bought, which is under her name. They can finally get a warrant where they were like nowhere to look. And at this house, there is a slab of concrete that is six months old. So they head to the house. Uh, Oh. They open up that concrete slab. And under the ground, they find the body of Abraham Lee Shakespeare. They believe he was killed April 9th because in in this gravesite, he is wearing the same clothes that he was wearing on that April 9th video. So they're able to date it to that time. Ugh. He, again, he was reported missing in November. They find his body in January. Mm-hmm. He was shot twice in the chest, and they are able to match blood from that area. So they're able to confirm that he was shot in that location. Um, And Moore sees this all happening, and she's like, I did not kill him. It was drug dealers. Okay, wasn't me. She did admit that she knew he was dead, but it actually was that he was killed by drug dealers, because why not, Dee Dee? Let's introduce some new weird suspects, not that... We know he did drugs or anything. Um, And in addition, she does admit that she did try to convince his family that he was still alive. She, in Mm -hmm. addition to that phone call that, like, some other guy pretended to be Abraham Lincoln Shakespeare, which, by the way, the way she met that guy, Greg Smith, was because when she took over, quote, financial advising for Abraham, um, she met all of these people who owed Abraham money, and that's where she met Greg Smith, who owed him like six, over $60,000, and that's how the two of them met, because she was like basically becoming <laughs> a debt collector, and then she meets the shaded guy who like she'll pay yeah. or not. She, she basically is able to be like, you don't have to pay back your debts if you do X, Y, Just do this. Exactly. Yeah. So she, when this all comes out, obviously, like, a lot more information comes out of, like, how she was trying to fool his family. At one point, she wrote a letter to his mother claiming to be him. And apparently, one of, Shakespeare has two kids, one before he won the lottery and one after he won the lottery. And he was no longer with the children's mother. But his younger child, that child's mother was looking for him, right? I'm sure for child Mm -hmm. support or something or other, like, wanting to hang out with the kid, whatever. She's looking for Abraham. And apparently Dee Dee shows up at her house and is like, I'll buy you a $200,000 house if you lie and uh, say he dropped by your house. Wow. She doesn't take it. But of course this comes out later. Good for her. Um, yeah. And in 2012, they go to trial. She continues to say she is not guilty of his murder. Mm-hmm. She, in 2012, she is convicted of first-degree murder. She is serving a life sentence. The judge at her trial says that she is cold, calculating, and cruel. And she still maintains her innocence. She's appealed this to 
different courts, um, both in 2015 and 2019. And she says she plans to continue appealing this decision. Um, she even what's wild, though, is she's also kind of like, listen, I know it's confusing that I'm innocent, but I'm actually I'm I'm very innocent. She says <laughs> she calls her continuing claims of innocence confusing, conclusory and vague. So she's basically like, I know <laughs> I can't prove that I'm innocent, but I want to tell you between us girls, very innocent. Oh my God. <laughs> What's noteworthy about this is that it, this happened in Florida. He won the lottery in Florida. And in Florida, they have a law where if you win the lottery, you have to, your name has to be in the paper. It has to be announced with trumpets and cornets and a coronation ceremony no i'm just kidding but it does mm-hmm. have to be announced like of course. if you win the lottery your name is out there um and in 2022 um there is a new bill that is introduced and it is that um they have to keep lottery winners names a secret for 90 days which would allow these winners to put some security measures in place Right. It's like it would mm-hmm. allow them to maybe hire mm-hmm. a financial advisor or like move out of state or cut off right. all of their low lives like I would do with my friends um, and change their number, change yeah. their number. Yeah. Yeah. Get a new number, get a new identity. Um, and as of 2022, I think it's worth noting, Didi actually supports this legislation. Didi says, hey, listen, you want to interview me about this? Because I want to say I think it's smart because you want to know what? The problem with these lottery winners' names going out there is actually it puts a target on them. That is actually what she said. Really, Dee Dee? That's really what she said. <laughs> Fucking Dee Dee. And even though really? and you know what she even said, she goes, listen, 90 days actually isn't enough. It should be about six months in order to get your life in a row. And actually, can I say, this is the only time in the, in the story that I actually agree with Dee Dee. I agree. You should get <laughs> six months. But also, Dee Dee, it would mean a lot if I don't it wasn't think Dee Dee should get person. to weigh in on this. Quinn... I think Dee Dee is a manipulative con artist, and I think that also with that, she's a narcissist, and she wants her name in the papes. But again, this case was cited in during during the vote in Florida because they were going, okay, listen, what's they were going, listen, what's the big deal? Why do we need to do this? And it won. I mean, it was a bipartisan law that was passed. I think most people agreed, hey, maybe we can give folks a little more time after they win the lottery, because otherwise, like you know. We are putting their life in danger. And and frankly, like it does it does put people at risk. If there's there's been other cases where lottery winners have been murdered, of course. Um, this is just the case that I started with, and I'm sure I'll look up another for another case another time. Um, but what's really funny is in in one of the um articles that I read, I think it was the Tampa Bay Times, but they said, um, this is her quote. This is Dee Dee's quote. She says, 90 days is nothing. You see how quick time flies? Said Moore, who has been in a state prison for nearly 3,400 days, which I actually loved that quote in that because it just was like a little shady. And I really, I really love that. Um, again, Dee Dee admits that she stole from Abraham Lee Shakespeare, um, but she still maintains her innocence that she did not kill him. Um, and she claims that he was overwhelmed by all these requests for money and just wanted to disappear. So she helped. I don't know how much you helped. He's dead. Um, and that's the story of Abraham Lee Shakespeare. Wow. Oh, you think you want to win the lottery and then you hear a story like that and you weirdly still want to win the lottery. I don't know what that is. Um, 
Um, I did want to say, um, if you guys have the time and you can hit follow and subscribe on however you're listening, it does <gasps> it make does a difference because really what us. it does is in the algorithm will come up more as suggested and then we get more listeners and that's good for us. And that's um, actually really good. And also, listen, you don't even have to post a review. Just follow, subscribe. That's a button. But if you did post a review, <gasps> I would tell you Forever that grateful. my... You know what? I'm. Why not give a shout out to my two favorite reviews of the week? Kristen thirty two said that she laughs alone in her car and is bummed that um, Carrie's not here to make friends because she feels like she would like the opportunity <laughs> to make friends. Uh, Kristen, Courtney, I'll, take you, I'll make friends with you. Kristen, I like you. Let's let's hang. And Courtney, followed by a long list of numbers, um, said that we are the only humans in her podcast feed that she loves to hear the banter of, which made me wonder <gasps> if she's into are listening to podcasts by aliens robots. or robots yeah. or animals that she also likes the banter of. Let us know, Courtney. <laughs> um, guys, thanks for coming. And if you want uh, 50 more episodes to listen to right now, just join, join Patreon. Patreon. Love you all. Bye, dude.